look at verse number 10 and verse number 11. This is the passage of Scripture that I know you are very familiar with, at least I would assume you are. If you've been in church much time at all or been through Sunday school, you've had lessons on the armor of God. And so I want to begin to look at this tonight over the next few weeks and look at the armor of God. And I want to begin in verse number 10, and we'll read two verses, verses 10 and 11 tonight. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so I want to look tonight on this thought of the armor of God on the first aspect of having a walk with the Lord that is victorious is this word stand, that we must stand. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you in prayer. Lord, I pray that tonight, Lord, you may begin to speak to us through your word. Lord, as we'll uh, embark here in a few moments on a time of prayer, Lord, I pray that uh, God, you would uh, Lord, help us to be faithful, Lord, to lift those up to you, Lord, who are struggling and in need. God, we ask that you might have your hands upon your people here at North Etowah. Lord, we love you we thank you. In Christ's name I pray, amen. The Bible says that we are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and put on the armor of God. But what is the purpose of the armor of God? Why are we to play, put on the armor of God? The Bible says very clearly here in verse number 11, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand. The whole point and purpose of the word of God is, and the armor of God uh, is that we may be able to stand against the wiles or the attacks of the devil. Um, it, it literally gives the mindset or the thought that we are going to stand our ground, hold our ground, as a military campaign that has been uh, in battle. They have gained military ground, and now the enemy is approaching and attacking, trying to take back the ground that has been uh, lost. And the Bible says, stand, don't give up, hold the ground, don't give over to the devil what God has given you, the victories that God has brought in your life. Stand, stand firm, don't give in, don't give up, and don't retreat. And it really is saying, listen, don't wave the white flag and don't go backwards, but stand therefore uh, and, and be firm. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 12, uh, the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. And lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So the Bible here is saying fight the good fight. Why do we put on the armor of God? Why do we stand? Because we are in a fight. And uh, I don't know if uh, anyone here would even for a second deny that. But we're in a fight. We're in a spiritual fight, are we not? There's a spiritual warfare that's happening um, in the world, in society, in culture, but also even as much so in, inside our own hearts. And there is a warfare that is transpiring. And if you're not in a spiritual warfare, um, I dare say that uh, 
something's going wrong in your life because if there's no battle, then that means you're going along with the flow of this world and you're not trying to take a stand. Because anytime you take a stand, when you're standing against the flow of culture, society, sin, the devil, all these things that are against God, if you take a stand, there is going to be friction, there's going to be attacks, and there will be a warfare that transpires. And so the Bible says, stand, fight the good fight. Don't give up, don't give in, don't, uh, don't go backwards. And it's important that as God's people, we are apt and uh, we are ready to take a stand for what is true. In uh, Joshua chapter 1, verses number 2 and 3, Joshua chapter 1, verse number 2 and 3, the Bible says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. And so the Bible's telling, God's talking to Joshua, and he says, listen, to you and all the people, um, go forward, arise, go over the Jordan, and you're going to claim that which you've been given. Now, God had already given the land to the children of Israel, right? It was already there. I just read an article a little bit ago that is dealing with the Temple Mount and how that there is a new conservative uh, government in Israel, and they're saying they're wanting to open up the doors for more of the Israelites to be able to go up and pray on the Temple Mount, and the Muslims are in an uproar over it saying, listen, no, you're not, um, this is ours. And so there's a conflict there, and there's always, a, uh, there's always been warfare over the land that God had given to Israel. God had given it to them, yet there were still battles to be fought, were there not? God said, go over and possess the land. And what's the first thing they do? They come to a city called Jericho that is, that from all human perspectives was uh, unconquerable. It was a city whose uh, walls were so massive that uh, this people that just came out of the wilderness did not have the ability of themselves to conquer. There was a fight that had to be fought, yet did Israel have to do it? God fought for them, didn't he? What did they have to do? They marched around, then they stood and blew their trumpets and shouted with a great shout. And the victory was God. Really, that's what I think of when we come to this on the armor of God. And the Bible says we are to stand. We are to equip ourselves for the battle that is at hand. We are to prepare ourselves. But then we must stand with the realization that the battle is already God's. It's he that fights for us. And it's he that is on our side. And so we must trust him. Warren Wearsby said that a Christian soldier really has uh, three responsibilities. And so if we're going to stand, we're going to fight the fight, there are uh, three responsibilities that we must uh, recognize that we should uh, address. The first is that we should know our enemies. How are we going to fight the good fight if we don't know who we're fighting? And the problem is oftentimes we get so uh, distraught in the middle of life and circumstances that we forget who it is we are fighting. And many churches have that issue, and they end up fighting internally because they get their eyes off who the enemy is. The enemy is not the person in the pew next to you. 
It's not the person at the house that lives with you. It's not even the person that is attacking you. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Who's our enemy? Satan, the devil, the deceiver. He's our enemy. And so we must remember and recognize that our... Um, making sure that wasn't my phone. Um, it sounded like it was mine, Sister Linda. <laughs> I thought, oh boy, that's embarrassing. It was the preacher's phone. Um, we have to know who our enemy is. And culturally, we, we, we get distracted, I think, oftentimes, and we get our eyes off of who the enemy is. We want to look at those who don't see eye to eye with us and say they're the enemy. We want to look across the political aisle and say you're the enemy. We want to look at those who don't look at life the way we do and say you're the enemy. What does the Bible say? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. People are not the enemy. Uh, I may not agree with somebody, and I may not agree with you, and I'll be honest with you, if the Lord leaves me and you both here together long enough, we're not going to see eye to eye. I can promise you that because I don't always see eye to eye with the man I look at in the mirror. You ever disagreed with yourself? <laughs> if I can't even agree with me all the time, I promise I'm not going to agree with you all the time. But if we're not careful, we look at people that disagree with us and we make them the enemy. And so we must recognize that we are fighting a spiritual warfare. That it's not always people, although sometimes people allow themselves to be used of Satan to try to uh, come in between us. They're not the enemy. Satan is. There's a spiritual warfare that is transpiring. And just because someone comes against me or comes against you or um, doesn't mean they're the enemy. We must recognize that we are in a spiritual battle. Therefore, if we are in a spiritual battle, it is evident that the tools of our battle, our warfare, must be spiritual weapons. We can't fight a spiritual warfare with physical weapons. I shared with you all here a while back about a story when I was a kid at the church that got in the fist of cuffs fight. Y'all remember that story? <laughs> what happened was there was a spiritual warfare and they tried to address it with physical weapons. And it don't work. It, we must know our enemy, and then we recognize who our enemy is. We recognize that I'm not going to defeat Satan with weapons of my own making. There must be a spiritual equipment that is built for this battle. If we begin looking at Scripture here, we'll look at it over the next few weeks. The Bible uh, begins to deal with us about the armor that we have, which of course is the, the breastplate and uh, the, the, our loins girded or waist girded and, the, and our feet and our sword and the, and the helmet and the shield and, and all these weapons that we have. They are all spiritual elements because we are in a spiritual battle. And so we must use the equipment and tools um, for the battle that God has provided for us. 
And so it's important that we know that prayer and the Word of God and faith, these are our weapons. If somebody's hurting you, somebody's harming you, somebody is spiritually or, 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 or even uh, emotionally, mentally, uh, verbally, whatever it might be, uh, our weapons are spiritual weapons. Say, Pastor, somebody I think is trying to uh, stir up a bunch of drama about me. What do I do? Fight with the spiritual weapons you've been given, recognizing they're not the enemy. Satan is. So we fight our battles with prayer, with faith, with truth, with righteousness. And so we use the equipment that God has given us. But then we also must uh, depend uh, upon the energy that uh, God supplies. Verse number 10 says, Finally, my brethren, and that is not just for Men, that is a group, so that is ladies, that includes you. Be strong, how? In the Lord. And in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So we must learn to depend upon the energy that God supplies Right? Isn't that what the Bible says? In the power of his might. Have you ever gotten so tired? We talked about this a little bit Sunday morning. Have you ever got so tired fighting a battle that you just said, I just don't know if I can, I just don't know that I have the strength anymore. If you're living for God, you're doing right or attempting to, then my suggestion to you is, then don't fight it anymore. If God has not supplied the energy for you to fight it, then he don't want you to fight the battle. Because we're supposed to fight in the power of his might. Fight what, with what energy that he supplies and then give the rest to him. God can fight our battles. Most of the time when I end up fighting battles, I... St- Sometimes I stress, now, I'm learning not to, I'm trying to learn not to, I can get stressed out over things. Any of you ever do that? I can get stressed out over things not going the way that I want them to at home, in our family, in the church. People that you invest in that just can't seem to get it, it can stress you out trying to fight the battle. And yet the Bible says that we are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Fight with the energy, the strength, the tools that God supplies. Now, I want to make this clear. I said earlier, only stand and fight as long as God gives you the energy. That is when you're living right and you're fighting with the tools that He's given you. Now, if you're not using spiritual weapons to fight your warfare don't stand here and look at God and say well Lord you didn't supply what I needed no you didn't use the tools you were given and so it could be my wife and I we could be having uh, argument we're not having problems at home but if we were make sure I clarify that up front y'all be going to tell everybody pray for the preacher he said him and his wife are having problems at home <laughs> we could be having problems at home 
But instead of me trying to approach those warfares with prayer and faith, trusting God, I could use verbal attacks and try to defend myself and argue and fight and then say, well, listen, I've tried all I could do. I guess the Lord just don't want me to fight that battle. No, that's not what I'm saying. You better use spiritual weapons to fight spiritual battles. Don't give up. Don't give in. If you haven't been praying by faith, using the weaponry that God has supplied for you and I. And so we find here the Bible says, take on the whole armor of God whole armor of God, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand. I want to add this, that before we can ever stand in warfare, we must first learn to kneel before God. We will never stand as soldiers if we cannot kneel in prayer. This is where it starts. We can have, I met today with a uh, Steve Pearson um, from Tennessee Baptist, and uh, we laid out some things I, I'd talk to you about one day, and, and there are some exciting things, I think, in store opportunities for us as a church to evangelize and outreach and to make a difference. I'm excited about it, but the truth is we can plan until we're blue in the face. But if we haven't started on our knees in prayer... It's just another program. We can, we're, we're talking, getting ready for vacation Bible school. We can order the materials. We can advertise. We can bring kids in. We can do all this stuff. But if we do not bathe it in prayer, we've wasted a lot of energy, time, and resources. Before we can ever stand in the fight, and fight the good fight, we must learn to kneel. So tonight we're going to have prayer here in a few minutes. We're going to be praying, and we have a lot of prayer requests, a lot of needs tonight, um, a lot of people who are facing uncertainties right now in their life and with their health, and we must learn to pray. We must learn to uh, Depend upon God for everything we do. And this is not just, I'm not just pointing at you, I'm talking about the preacher as well. I've said it before and I'll say it again, that I can spend, uh, and I talked to Jonathan about this last week, or the other week, I can spend 12 hours a week preparing my sermon for Sunday morning and spend 10 minutes in prayer. But you know what God would rather me do? God would rather me spend 12 hours in prayer and 10 minutes in preparation because if he's in it, he's in it. We get a lot of our energies backwards. We're powerless, we're not able to stand because we don't have God. Uh, we're, not, we're not walking with him. We're not walking in the power of his might. We can go back through history and look at revivals that have broken out around the world and there's never been a great awakening or revival that did not start with prayer. With God's people um, coming in prayer. There, years ago, uh, there was a revival that broke out in, in a country over in Europe. And it swept across the nation, the entire nation. And, 
and there were, uh, I mean, the bars were shutting down, the churches were packed, people sending outside. God was turning the nation upside down, and they, and they went back and they traced on it. What was the source of this great revival that was breaking out? And they went back to a church where it all originated and began to look and come to find out, the preacher didn't even know that for some time as he was preaching when revival broke out, that uh, there was, I believe it was a piano, and there was a, uh, a curtain around the piano kind of covering it, a modesty curtain, and uh, whenever the preacher would have to preach, there was a 13-year-old boy who would crawl up under that piano, and while the preacher was preaching, he began praying that God would send revival. And revival started in that church and swept all over the nation because a 13-year-old boy found his knees. I wonder what God could really do if we just got serious with him. We're in a spiritual warfare. We all agreed, right? Are we standing in the power of his might? It's good to have corporate prayer. I love corporate prayer. Uh, but it's not just corporate prayer. It has to start in our own heart and our own home. We can have prayer meeting, and we're about to have prayer meeting. Um, and I believe God hears our prayers, but I want to encourage you, let's start standing by kneeling at the cross. That's how we stand. By putting our faith, our trust, our hope in Jesus Christ. And so if you look through Ephesians, uh, you feel that, uh, see that Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. He's encouraging them to, um, about marriage uh, uh, in chapter 5, uh, walking in love and light, children uh, obeying their parents at the beginning. He's dealing with the, the Christian walk in their lives. And at the end of it, this is where we come to here in the chapter 6. At doing all these things, trying to encourage them to be an effective, effectual church. And he comes down to this and he says, finally, after all these things, he said, finally, he, he, here is the purpose, here is the heart. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Are we standing um, faithful in the fight? Are we standing faithfully um, for truth? I believe our church has done that. I believe our church has a testimony that we've took a stand when it wasn't, when it wasn't popular all the time. And sometimes those are tough decisions, but the church has taken a stand. That's wonderful. I thank the Lord for that, but um, we must take a stand now. And it says, that stand against the wiles of the devil, or the attacks of the devil. Again, going back to the thought that we are not going to give up the ground that God has given us. We're going to stand. Now, say the best offense is a good defense, but the best defense is a good offense. It goes both ways. We want to stand and maintain the ground that God has given us. The best way to do that is to keep pushing forward, keep taking new ground. Eventually, if you stay defensive long enough, you're going to start giving up ground inch by inch, foot by foot. You start things just... So how are we going to take a stand? How are we going to go forward? By putting on the armor of God and marching forward, taking new ground. You say, preacher, what do you mean by taking new ground? I mean by... I, we've got a community full of people that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. 
We may not be able to save them, but we sure can go and introduce them to a Savior that can, can't we? We've got to take new ground. We've got to take new ground. And I think the Lord, boy, the last week or so, we've had some families coming in, a lot of young families with children, and, and what, that's exciting. But, but we've got to keep taking new ground. We can't let off. We can't let up. We have to keep marching forward, keep taking a stand for God, for truth, for righteousness. And we do so by putting on the armor of God. The next few weeks we're going to look at this armor and how it comes to more applicable to our lives, how do we apply it. And so um, I pray that maybe uh, you can be reading this, studying it, and we'll look forward to it a little bit more uh, next week.